Stitches is here. And I love this part. Uh, she's doing it where we showcase and highlight women uh, just in different fields doing amazing things. And we've been talking about trying to co- collaborate and get her on. And we finally got her on. And I'm happy it's at this time because she has an amazing uh, vent going on. But we're not going to get to that yet. We have the fabulous, the beautiful, the unapologetic Coach Stormy. Ooh. Hey, Stitches, how you doing? I wish you were in the right. studio. Girl, we would have had a party. We would have had a party. I'm trying to tell you all the time. <laughs> now, Coach, we always start like this. For those who may not uh, be familiar with exactly what you do, introduce yourself to the beautiful people, please. All right. Well, my name is Stormy Wellington, also known as Coach Stormy. I am a wealth coach. I am a inspirational speaker. I am a author. I am a fitness influencer. I am a mother. I am an ex-wife. I am a boss. I am all things to all men so that I could win a few. How about that? that hey, that, that's all right. I like that. that. That is all right. So coach, let's start from the beginnings um, because I know you've, you've told your story before, um, but I really want to touch on the beginnings of Coach. Yeah, I was actually born in New York, but, you know, I was raised in Miami, so I, I claim Miami. From the beginnings, what was your upbringing like? Like, how was it living in a home with, with Coach Stormy? Well, before Coach Stormy was you Coach Stormy. You know what? A- a- exactly. I was going to say because I, I was not Coach Stormy. So, you know, I, I could go back as far as, you know, um, I tell the story of my mom was five months pregnant on her way to uh, to have an abortion with me, and and my mm-hmm. dad stepped in and, and intervened. That wow. that um, you know, and and I, I'm here today. So I, I believe that all my life I had to fight. You know, I had to fight from before I was even conceived or before I was even born. And so you know, from from a young girl, as, as a young girl, um, I, I've been through a lot. You know, my mom um, was a drug dealer. Um, my dad was was an immigrant from Jamaica. My mom, she she often says she smuggled him from from Jamaica. Uh, to New York. And so um, my, my family, um, I don't come from a family of people with college educations and I don't come from a family, a structured family. I come from a, let's figure this out. Let's get it how we live type of family. So my mom sold drugs. My, my dad sold drugs. My brother sold drugs. All I saw around me was hustlers, go-getters, drug dealers, movement, money, jail. You know, I, I spent a lot of my childhood visiting my brother uh, in prison. I spent a lot of my childhood watching my mom go to prison and I live with friends and family members. And uh, one of my, my, you know, for real true pivot memories right. is when I was about nine years old and uh, my mom went to prison and she left us with, you know, who she thought was a friend. We used to call this lady Auntie Sharon. Mm-hmm. And when my mom left us with this young lady, she had no idea that this woman was going to become abusive to us. So oh, wow. my brother, who had just suffered third-degree burns, um, uh, my brother and I was living with her. And literally, you know, two months in, she started to be abusive to us. She started to beat us with water hose. You know, my brother was barely healed from his third-degree burns. But literally the water hose that we were, you know, watered along with, I got beatings with, you know, for no reason. We didn't do anything. Me and my brother both got abused with, with water holes. We had to experience verbal abuse because she talked really bad to us. You know, a lot of people treat stepchildren or guests uh, bad, especially when they're kids and their mom is around. I remember right. uh, her feeding us beets and celery while her kids would eat pizza and, wow. and, you know, chicken and Chinese food. And so I'm a kid, you know, experiencing all of that. Coach, and so what? I remember I was the one who called. 
Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I before you even get to that point, as a child, because you're you said eight or nine at this point, what did that do to you mentally? And and did that affect the way you interacted with people? Like, what did that do to you as a child? Looking back now, oh yeah, it it was very traumatic. But I I, I believe that that's a part of um, Stormy becoming resilient. Yeah. You know, I was nine years old. My brother, my brother. Uh, was about 15 because he's like five, six years older than me. I don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. But my brother um, was not the one who, who rescued us or, or, you know, got help. I'm the one who went to the guidance counselor at school and told them at nine years old, hey, this lady is beating us. I'm the one at nine years old when, um, you know, HRS came to the house and was about to leave us in the home with her. I'm the one who, you know, ran in the room and grabbed the water hose as the woman was walking back to her car because, you know, HRS was called to the house. Right. And when HRS got there, she, she acted like everything was okay and she loved us so dearly. I mean, she was so fake and so mm. phony. I'm the one that grabbed the water hose and said, if you leave us here, she's going to beat us with this wow. tonight. And I'm the one who got my brother and I both rescued from from that experience, but we end up going into foster care that night. Because at nine years old, you have, you know, and kids are, are different. You have some that that would be too scared, understandably. But what made you speak up right before they they left? So interestingly enough, to this very day, I believe that there's a fear that makes you stop. Mm. And I believe that there's a fear that makes you go. Right. And for me, I knew that if I did not stop her, um, she was going to kill us. I felt like my brother, you know, my brother wasn't even healed. Can you imagine your skin? My brother had to get skin drafts Mm. and, you know, her beating us with a water hose. We was not going to survive. We didn't even hardly have food. We were eating beets and celery. So I knew that I had to rescue. It was the truth. I had to rescue us from that experience or we were going to die there. And, you know, this was before Instagram and Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat and all that. So it was before kids had cell phones. I didn't have a cell phone to call my mom or or get a collect collect call from my mom or to call my brother. Like, I had nobody to turn to. So I had to figure out what, you know, what to do to, to, you know, save me and my brother. So that that was my thought process if I... If I, you know, had to think, what was right. it? Yeah. But I, I believe that from that, from that, it, it led to, you know, my mom finally came home. She got us. And, but again, my mom, all she knew was how to sell drugs. So I looked up and my mom was in prison again. Mm. Um, and here I am trying to figure out how to survive with, with now being a teenager, you know, trying to go back to school, you know? So I ended up dating at a young age. I dated older, older men because I needed help. I needed money for food. I needed money for school clothes. I needed money to get my hair done. So as early as, 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 as 13 years old, you know, mm-hmm. my very first experience in the strip club, you know, bootleggers. I don't know if you know about bootleggers, girl. Yeah. But um, my very first experience was in bootleggers. That's when I made my first $600 in the strip club. And all I had to do was lift up my skirt. So, you know, I, I could tell you so many stories. You know, I, I was a full-time dancer at like the age of 16, not because I was being fast or being hot. You know, I was a mom at 15. So after I had my son at 15, I had to drop out of school. I now had to figure out how I was going to feed us, how I was going to, you know, clothe him, how I was going to put shelter right. for us. So I ended up being a, a dancer at, at 16. You know, I dropped out of school and then I started, you know, scamming and writing checks and, you know, stealing. And I hung out with the biggest boosters in Miami and we would be in Bell Harbor and Aventura and Pembroke Pines. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be in the clubs and we'll be in the mall and by, by, by day in the mall and the clubs by night. So right. I grew up in a very fast paced figure it out environment you know I'm from Miami you know the home of the strippers and the scammers you know and the drug dealers so that was my environment so experiencing all of that as a young girl I think that I learned how to be a hustler 
I learned how to how to figure things out. You know, I was not the girl who went to college. I dropped out of school in the ninth grade. You know, I ended up going back to get my GED. Wow. But I mean, you do the math. You know, ninth grade education, um, a child, and then by 19 years old, I had my second daughter, uh, or my second child, shall I say? And um, right after I had my daughter, I ended up getting into the boutique industry because I I was determined not to allow my daughter to see me as a stripper. So her dad is, you know, we dated and uh, he told me I couldn't dance anymore, which was good. So I left the club, had a daughter, and I ended up get, going, going into retail. I was I was going to actually ask you who was or, or what was that point to where you shifted and it was like, okay, I'm not going to dance anymore. So that was your, your child's father, or your your husband at the time, right? No, no, no husband, girl. My oh, baby no. daddy. Yeah, but um, no husband. Yet. That was my no baby daddy. Hu- no husband yet. So no, no husband. Hu- yeah. Yet. Yeah. No husband. No husband yet. I, I had already had two kids and no husband. But yeah, my after having my daughter, I I, I knew how much my friends in the strip club impacted me to be in a strip club. And so I did not want my daughter mm. to follow me. So gotcha. I had to figure it out. And and after stripping, I ended up opening up a, um, a boutique. But, of course, I had to get the money to open up the boutique. So that's when I started really getting deep into writing bad checks and, you know, doing, you know, credit cards, fraud, and all of that stuff. So I was involved in a very treacherous world when it came to, you know, trying to get some money. You know, I used to date drug dealers, and I used to date, if you wasn't a drug dealer or athlete, I wouldn't date you because I needed some money. You know, I needed I needed more than just a man. I needed somebody to give me some money. And you know what? I, that's a part of your story. I, I appreciate you you putting out. You know somebody, I, we always say this, you know somebody has, has gone through and, know, and somebody um, has changed and pivoted when they're able to tell their story, whether it's bad or it's good. So I appreciate you being candid and open about that because it, it might be somebody out there listening and just really thinking about all that they've done and not telling a part of their story, which can actually help free somebody else. So I appreciate you being oh, open, for sure. open and honest about that. So we get to the point where we, we have the two kids and you're at a point where it's like, dude, I can't, I can't do this and I need to change so my daughter doesn't see um, live the same life. We get into scamming. So how do we shift? So what was the final point for you to where it's like, man, I'm not doing this no more. So, okay. So a lot of the people around me were going to jail. A lot of mm. people around me, I mean, getting real, no real time. I have a friend in, in, in prison right now doing life, you know, wow. for, for, for doing a, a shoplifting uh, scheme that went wrong. And so um, I woke up and I realized that, you know, there's, there's no real, um, into this life. Like when you in the streets get money, it's a hustle. And I've learned that you got to learn how to transition from hustle to businesswoman or businessman, or you're going to be either, you know, found dead or in jail or broke. It right. doesn't last. Right. So I always had that thought process in the back of my mind. And, and because of that, I was always seeking and, and whatever you're looking for is looking for you. And so from shoplifting and uh, my boutique ended up closing down because of 9-11, you know, we had some good years. Um, I had a boutique in, in Overlock, a hot spot. I had a boutique in North Miami, Stepping in Style. Uh, I had a boutique on 441, My Child's Clothing. And that lasted for about mm, two and a half, three years. Mm. And then, you know, it just was challenging. I could not maintain the the the, the bills. Um, 9-11 really shut the world down. And I looked up and here I was. I used to be a TSA agent. I ended up getting a job uh, working as a TSA agent. And, and my dream and my goal back then was either to... Uh, elevate to a corrections officer or to elevate to being a customs officer. And so I I, I did that job for about a year. 
And um, I started to feel like a peasant. You know, I started to go to work, and I felt my it, looking at all those fly girls come through the airport with their rolling bags and their mm. Chanel bags and they they Gucci bags, and I'm sitting there with a blue uniform on, looking ugly and tired. I was like, uh uh-uh. uh. And I never forget, I went to Freaknik. And when I went to Freaknik in Atlanta, I saw all these black people just doing it, you know. And and here I am, I'm living in Opelika you know, State Road 9, apartment number 305, you know, I'm repping 305, and I'm in Atlanta, like, you know what? All these black people are, are doing it. And and around 2008, you know, real estate was booming. You know, this was back when the only successful stories you saw was in Miami was Latinos, you know, shouts out to the Latinos, but you didn't <laughs> see black people driving Rolls Royces and Benz, and, you know, right. it just wasn't nothing that you saw unless they was drug dealers. So when I went to Atlanta and saw entrepreneurs, thriving, not just surviving, I, I fell in love with the movement, the energy, and I decided to, you know, uproot my family, which I did. I moved out of apartment number 305 with $135 worth of nickels, quarters, and dimes mm-hmm. to my name, mm-hmm. and I went to Atlanta. And um, when I got to Atlanta, I didn't have a plan. Like, I, I really never have a real plan. I just have heart. So I didn't have a plan. My heart just said, go there. My faith said, go there. Mm-hmm. And... um when I first got there, it was challenging. I didn't have a place to stay. I slept from this friend's house and that friend's house. And, you know, I pick up little odds and end jobs here and there. But I knew that I was going to discover something there. Like, I just knew within my heart I was going to network my way into an opportunity. Like, I never doubted that I was going to network my way into an opportunity. I knew God was going to bless me. And so everywhere I went, I used to be that girl that walked around with an ease on my face because in Miami, you can't walk around with too many smiles. And so I started to learn how to change my facial expression so I don't look like a mean girl and people don't want to, you know, talk to me so I'm unapproachable. I started to hang out and go places and I would, you know, smell the money. And um, I met this guy. Um, I met this guy named Thomas. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we took a, a, a liking to each other, not on a personal note, but on a business note. Right. And so he, he got me my first house. This was back when anybody with a social security number could get a house. And so he got me a house, and I found out that he could get you a house with, like, no money down as long as you had a 500 credit score. And so that became my new hustle. I would get people from Miami to buy houses in, in, in Atlanta. Oh, wow. You didn't have to have – I didn't have to have a real estate license. I just was hustling. And so life was great. You know, I had two houses. I was living in one. I was going to rent one out. And, um, you know, I got my beans. I was living good. And, um, boom, the real estate crash happened. Ah. Uh. So right when the real estate crash happened, I was really depressed because here it is now. I'm, I got $2,500 mortgage for one house, another $3,000 mortgage for another one. I got a car note. You know, I had got accustomed to twenty grand a month because mm-hmm. I was living that lifestyle for about six months. Right. And I, I was told that real estate, real estate and education never crashes. I was told if you got a teaching career and a real estate, you know, portfolio or career, you're always going to be good. Right. But I found myself broke, destitute, trying to figure it out again. It was it was bad at that time. I do remember that, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was caught up in that whole thing. And so here I was again in this what I, I call vicious cycle. And so I looked up and, and here I am, you know, unfortunately, um, my house was in foreclosure and um, I had my two kids and my mom was in prison. And my mom was about to come home. We had already lost all of her stuff in storage. Me, between me and my siblings, we couldn't pay her $600 storage bill. Here I am, you know. I'm not going to say I was depressed yet because I wasn't depressed, but I was not happy. Right. I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know where to turn. I had no idea, like, what was I going to do? Like, and I how, had no idea. And how old mm-hmm. were you at this time again? 
I, I was approximately 27, 28. So, so, so one night, one of my, my friends at the time, you know, uh, I never forget, she invited me to this club mm-hmm. and I was determined not to go. It was, it was actually um, Halloween night and she kept saying, come I'm like, girl, I ain't got nothing to wear. My hair ain't done. And she said, girl, it's Halloween. You could be anything tonight. And I'll never forget, I threw on some Adidas shell toes, girl. I threw on me a T-shirt that looked like Reverend Ron and some jeans and a leather a leather vest. And I went to this club. And I'm so glad that she pushed me to go to this club because mm-hmm. I met a guy who ended up introducing me to the industry of network marketing. And um, that night, I believe, you know, began the transition to me um, connecting with the right person who ended up getting me into the industry of network marketing. And when I got into network marketing, I looked at it like what I always did. It's a hustle. I said to myself, Stormy, treat it as a hustle until you learn how to treat it like a business. Mm. Treat it like a hustle until you learn how to treat it like a business. And so I looked at the products that the company had. I remember going to the meetings and saying to myself, man, these people look professional. Here I am with my Ugg boots and my tights and looking ghetto and broke down. And, you know, I was loud and, you know, I was not like the people that that was in the room with me. But I remember sitting at my very first meeting that I actually went to um, after he sold me on how fine and how amazing his wife was. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see what his wife looked like. Right. You know, curiosity took me to that meeting, and I'm so glad that I followed that curiosity because I got to that meeting, and I said, wait a minute, all you got to do is sell these products. If you sell these products, you can make money. I said, wait a minute, my mom sold drugs, so she sold drugs by herself. She made some money, but when she got a team, she made a lot of money. I said, wait, so this makes sense. The more products me and my team move, the more money that we can make. Right. And so I got in the company. I wrote a bad check to get in the company. I didn't know that you could get paid like five ways. I just remembered, you know, hey, if I could sell a product for, I paid $50 for it and sell it for 100 I'm winning. And and let me tell you something, Stitches. I sold the hell out of the people product. I went from door to door. I went to the Walmarts, to the Target. Of course, I called all my friends. They said I was stupid. I was crazy. I was a crazy lady. But I believed in the product. And I would get up every day, okay? And mm-hmm. I understand I had a job making $13 an hour right before this. My lights was off. I turned them back on. My water was off. I turned that back on with the pliers. Mm-hmm. My car had just got repossessed. I'm working a job making $13 an hour. You know, I, I was doing collections at the time. You know, I, I, I ended up collecting over a million dollars and closed accounts at that job in seven months. And what woke me up to really realize that I got to create opportunity for myself, I'm not about to be no slave on, on nobody plantation, for real, mm-hmm. was when I bought in a million dollars for that company. Wow. Something that they said they didn't expect me to do. I bought in a million dollars, bitches. I want you to hear me because I think this may be even for you. Mm-hmm. I bought in a million dollars and closed accounts for that company in six months. They celebrated me. The, the, the owner of the company flew down to tell me how amazing uh, of a job I did. Right. And they told me they were going to give me a raise. I thought I was going to go from $13 an hour to $18 an hour. And at that job, they allowed time and a half. So I'm thinking I'm about to make $30 an right. hour. You just brought in After they give me my raises. Right. Girl, my raise was 25 cents. <gasps> yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. That day was the best thing, was the best day. That was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Wow. Because if they would have gave me a 5 or $10 raise, you stayed. I would have thought I had arrived. Mm. Yeah. When they gave me that quarter, That's I good. remember looking my boss in the eye with tears in my, rolling down my face. 
And I told my boss, yeah. don't even give me the 25 cents. I don't even want it. So wait, wait. Now we got to set this up because I'm a very picture type person. So they give you the check or they tell you how much the raise is? Set the scene for us. Okay, so it was a big, it, okay, so so I, I didn't know how much time I had. So it was a big celebration now. Mm-hmm. It was a big celebration. The owner of the company flew in. It was called, the company was called RMS, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a big celebration. Everybody flew down. We had balloons. We had cake. Like, they were celebrating. I bought in a million dollars in seven months. Mm-hmm. And clo- like, these were closed accounts. Like, oh, they wow. had no, no real... You there was know, no movement. There was nothing. Me collect- there was nothing happening. No, they they, <laughs> they 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 really they told me that they experimented with giving me that 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 portfolio wow. because I didn't have a resume. So they only hired me because I begged. I told them like I promise you, if you guys hired me, you would not be making a mistake. So they hired me with no resume. So they really were trying to see what I could do with these mm. accounts. They didn't know I was going to bring in a million dollars. So no, he told me, hey, guess what? Congratulations. We had a big old party. I'm talking about balloons, cake, everything. Um, and he, he, he pulled me in his office. He pulled me in his office. Wow. Um, and, you know, he was excited to tell me, guess what? Congratulations. Your raise is 25 cents. And you got to know, most people are afraid of their boss. And I was too. But that day, some, that some, day, some his name was Raymond. Yeah. <laughs> that day, I looked him in the eyes and I, I cried. And I said, my uh-huh. water's off back home. You know, I'm eating lean cuisines. I'm getting rides to work. This was before Uber, you know, and right. Lyft. Right. And and you guys are gonna give me twenty five cents and I bought in a million dollars. What he And say? I cried. And I yeah. said, Don't even I said, Don't even put it on my check. Mm. And you know what he said? He was like, You're you're ungrateful. This was the biggest raise we had Ooh. given out in the last decade. This was the biggest raise we had given out wow. in the last decade. And so I started to talk to my other coworkers and they was like, Girl, yes, my raise was three cents, my raise <gasps> was five cents. And so I was supposed to be grateful for that twenty five cent raise. But instead, you know what I did? That's when I started to pray for opportunity. Mm. And that's when I remember the guy that I met at the party. I reconnected with him. And then that's when he invited me to, you know, go to the meeting and, you know, see his wife and meet his wife. And that was when I was open to opportunity because before I only thought I could get a job, do scams or sell some T-shirts or some candy or something. You know, I didn't know about network marketing besides Mary Kay. I didn't know about network marketing besides Avon, so I didn't believe in those type of opportunities, but this one made sense to me. And what I did was I looked at my job. I said, okay, I make $130 a day working 40 hours a week. Mm-hmm. So I said, I'm going to treat this like a job, not like a business. Right. So when I first started, see, most people start their business and treat it like a business. I was about to ask problem. you. You should work your difference. business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you got to work your business like you work a job. When you work a business like you think it's a business, right. you think that you have hours. Like, I don't have hours. Like, right now, I own about six companies. Mm-hmm. I I work 24-7. I don't have vacation days and sick pay and, you know, a boss and a supervisor giving me a 15-minute break. Like, I don't eat what I don't kill. So I got to think every morning when I wake up, who got my money? Every morning I wake up, I, my subconscious is, is looking for new money. Who got my money? Who got my peace? And so when I say working like a job, if you got to be to work at 9 o'clock, you treat your business like you got to be to work at 9 o'clock. Nice. If you get off at 4, what you do is, is you got to set daily goals. What is going to be my daily goal that I have to hit before I'm off? So what I did was I set a daily goal. I said I am not going to bed or I'm not stopping until I make 150 a day. So in that company, that meant I had to sell uh, two products a day. 
Mm-hmm. If I sold two products a day that each paid me $75 profit, that means I hit my goal. And in my mind, I could go to bed early. I could take off early because I was already, I had gave myself That's in good. my mind. I said, okay, I made one, one twenty five on my job. If I give myself a $25 daily raise, that's better than a 25 cent raise. This is how I train my mind. Nice. And so I would hit that goal every day, 150, 150, 150, 150, 150. And it started to make me a believer. And once I believed that I could do this, I, I literally two days I quit my job. I said, I'm not going back. I never gave them a resignation letter. I never went back. Never I went straight back. up quit. Mm. I just never went back. And, and I looked up. And in my new network marketing venture, something I had never done, Mm -hmm. I was able to make a million dollars in seven months, baby. Wow. And and it sounds like it's like you took what everything that you've learned and the beginning was rough. The beginning was it was a trial. The beginning there was error. But it's like you took everything that you've learned and applied it to something um, productive. and, And that's not only helping you but it's also benefiting other people now. So let's talking about shifting and, and pivoting how you have been able to pivot. And I, I like how you said, I heard you say this in an interview, learn to train your train the brain. And now you're in the motion of helping other people. You have this conference happening. There's a whole lot more we got to talk about. And we got to set another day stormy to where like we, like we really delve into everything yeah. that you got going on because it, it yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot. And I'm, and I'm sincerely um, just happy for everything that you have been able to accomplish. And I believe there's so much more for you. And it's like from, from that yeah. time where your, your, your dad stopped your mom, you said something to where it was all your life it was a fight, but really it sounds like all your life it was divine appointment. Let's talk about yeah. how you're helping other people now and you have this amazing event happening this weekend. Let's get into it, boo-boo. Talk to us. So August 26, 2011, mm-hmm. my mom died. My mom, I was holding her hand. Oh. I had no idea my mom was was, was dying. My best friend, um, Reginald Saunders, he calls me and he says, Stormy, you know, I had just spent a whole week with my mom, Stitches. And Reggie went to the hospital and he calls me from the hospital and I wasn't even going to go because I had just left. And my mom was sickly. She had, you know, high blood pressure. She had a pacemaker. She had started to, you know, experience strokes. So when she had a stroke, you know, like she had a stroke before. So I thought she was just having a stroke and it was going to be like normal. She'll get go home and, you know, she'll be all right. Um. And so Reggie calls me as he's in the hospital because I was in Atlanta at this time. And he says, Stormy, you know, you need to come here. This is not like like normal. And I heard it in his voice when he said, I need to get here. So I got there and my mom was, you know, she was she was not coherent. She was in some type of a coma. Um, And they started to explain to us that, like, listen, what your mom is dealing with is like a contraindication of of a combination of blood clotting and mm. too much blood. Okay. So they, they kind of told me that it's nothing we could do, but they didn't tell me that she was going to die. Right. They they told me that they were doing everything. So I'm, I'm in Miami. I'm spending time with my mom. I'm in the hospital. She finally wakes up and she's normal. She, 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 she can't move the left side of her body because of stroke, right. but she's laughing and joking and Aww. she's trying to recruit people to my business. And she just being, I mean, my mom. Right. And she's having physical therapy on August 26th at around 12 noon and literally stitches in, in 10 minutes from eating some, some, some curry shrimp and some rice and peas mm-hmm. to putting down the plate, having physical therapy. And literally 10 minutes later, my mom was dead. 
Oh. I watched my mom take her last breath. Oh, wow. I was, I was, you know, thinking my mom was having an anxiety attack. I didn't know my mom was was dying. Um, I'm so sorry. And that day, it 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 really changed my life. Like anybody that has a mom yeah. or 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 any type of parent that's alive, like you got to honor your mother and you got to honor your father. It's not a day that goes by that I don't think about my mom. It's not a day that goes by that I don't still see. Yeah her eyes rolling in the back of her head as she took her last breath. Like I still see how her body moved as she took her last breath. I still see how she was fighting. She was fighting not, not to, not to, not to die. And that, that moment I wasn't prepared for it. Like, Mm. like nobody prepares for death. Nobody, you know, can prepare to see their mom, you know, imagine seeing that. And it, it caused me to go into depression. I went from being this, this author to this vibrant, powerful woman who hustles and works and, bills to I didn't know that you know I I fell into a depression I didn't know it so now here I am feeling like I'm alone in this world you know if you lose your mom it's a feeling that's unexplainable you know if you have a mom you wouldn't even know what this feels like you feel like you're in the world by yourself and you have no mom and so it caused me to to date incorrectly you know because I wanted somebody to to have my back and so I ended up getting married in a depression I I got fat in this depression I got broke in this depression uh, I would hear voices in my head in this depression. I became suicidal in this depression. And, of course, you know, I, I became a part of the NFL. I had no friends, and I felt like no family left. Mm. Everybody was gone. Nobody wasn't calling me. I went from being on billboards and buses and magazines to no phone call, nobody checking for me. Right. And so for three and a half years, wow. for three and a half years, I was in this dark place. I lived in a dark townhouse. I had everything was dark. Yeah. And I remember one day looking around at my house and my life and it was nothing. I just woke up one day and looked around. And I'm like, who is this person? Like, who am I? Like, mm. Stormy, you wouldn't even live here. If, if you was in your right mind, you love sunlight. You would have never moved in a house that the sun doesn't, doesn't shine inside. Yeah. So I started to like check, check everything that I hated. And I looked around and everything that I hated, I was living in and it, it, it clicked. And so I started to read the book of Proverbs and I started to read a proverb a day and I started to listen to so much personal development. And I was listening to the, the magic of believing by John Claude Bristol. Mm -hmm. And he talked about the mirror technique, how you look yourself in the mirror and you just, just, just have a conversation with yourself. And um, that's what I did. You know, I had a fuck it party, P H U C K. I looked in the mirror and I, I, I had a real serious talk with Stormy. I didn't have no, no mentors, no coaches, no friends. Remember, I'm by myself. You know, I had attracted some prophets that, that was prophesying to me, mm-hmm. but I was so weak and I was so vulnerable that I allowed them to take advantage of me. Like, I don't want to go into that conversation. But I had this experience with myself, yeah. and this experience was the best thing I could have did for myself. I felt like change broke off of me. Mm-hmm. And I started wow. to That's really dig into Pause. Stormy. I started. Stormy, Stormy. That's yeah. deep. That's deep. You felt chains breaking. Listen, off I of looked you. around. Yeah. I looked around, and honestly, I couldn't believe that I had married the man I married. I was like, "Stormy, look what you did!" Like, I imagine making almost every mistake, living somewhere you don't want to live, marrying somebody you don't even know how you married this person, living this life that's not you, and now you're trying to figure out, "Oh crap! Look what I did! I did this. Nobody did this to me." So I was trying to correct and fix myself and create myself. I believe that life is a combination of uh, finding yourself and creating yourself. So I had found myself again. I remember my mom. I remember 
the fight that I used to have. I remembered, you know, and I woke up. And so I started this very serious process of redefining Stormy. Mm -hmm. And I never forget, I had got so broke, but I still had people in high places that didn't know how broke I was, but they had some respect for me because I had did great things in the past. And somebody gifted me a a Tony Robbins ticket. Mm -hmm. And I I, I had relocated to Miami. I, I got to Tony Robbins' event. And at that event is when I started to learn real tools, real things, not just prayer. You know, I, I did that, not just, uh, you know, uh, fasting. I, I was doing that, right. but I needed more. Applied I needed real application. Yeah. Like, Applied. what do I do to get out of my head and into my life? Right. I needed real life things that I could apply, like learning how to create lasting change, change, learning how to speak affirmations, learning how to speak mantras, how to speak an affirmation, learning how to declare things over your life, learning mm. how to manage your thoughts and your emotions and your feelings. Like I learned real things that I could do, right. but I learned it in an environment uh, stitches that was hard for me to learn. You know, I love Tony Robbins. I love him, but the average black person for real, and I hate to sound, you know, like I'm, you know, trying to segregate or, but the truth is, um, Tony Robbins is hard to palate. It's a, it's, it's, you could be at a Tony Robbins conference one day for 12, 14 hours with no lunch break. So I sat through his events and right. I sat through his events and mind you, the first event I went to was free. Mm-hmm. But as I sat there, I grew and I said, Oh my God, so many people need this, right. but they, they, they can't afford it. The tickets is, you know, $5,000, you know, crazy amounts, you know, at the time, $700. It was worth it for you, eh? I didn't pay. I didn't pay. Somebody gave me a ticket. Oh, wow. Somebody Somebody gifted me a ticket. Wow. So you were supposed to, look at that. My God, look at your setup. You were supposed to be there. I needed that. So I started, (laughs) that began, that began the beginning process of me recognizing that I got to figure how to bring this information back Mm. to my people in a way in which they can palette it. Gotcha. In a way in which their minds is open to to to, to learn yeah. and to deprogram, to reprogram. Sure. So I didn't have the money, but it became a vision of mine of something that I said I'm gonna do this one day because I'm still broke and depressed. Right. And so I started to take what I learned and I put it to use. And I got to tell you, I attracted the right network marketing company again, uh, Total Life Changes, and I worked it. Here I was again, back on my grind. I worked that company. I sold the product. I set that goal of 150 a day like I knew how to do. And here I was in seven months again, I was a millionaire all over again. I took what I got from the information from Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. I, I started to submerge myself in, in growth and personal development. I believe that you should do 30 minutes minimum of personal development a day. You should do 30 minutes minimum a day of some personal movement. You should do uh, at, at least 10 minutes a day of meditation. And so I started to do all of these things, and I ended up, become, I ended up becoming a Tony Robbins Platinum Partner where I invested over $100,000 in just a partnership and just joining his community. And I took it to another level. And so my awakening is my way of putting together a a women's winning weekend. Mm -hmm. This is the, I invested over $1.1 million into this event this weekend. And um, I don't know of, of a woman's, empowerment conference or weekend or retreat or whatever you want to call it because it's not even any of that it's way more than all of that right. i've never seen a, a one over a million dollar women's weekend and so i put my everything into these these women i've been doing this event for eight years when i first started i used to sell a ticket for 49 dollars because it was just a a, a one-day event 
Now I've evolved so much. I've been doing uh, awakenings for eight years. Right. And the whole mantra and the whole theme of the event is know yourself, love yourself, yeah. and embrace yourself in order to authentically connect, collaborate, and celebrate with men and women all over the world. So women come to my event every year. At least 19 women come suicidal every year. Um, the event is a lot of peaks and valleys. You know, the first day is about edification of self. The second day, I call it information day. It's when you get most of the tools. And then the third day is called transformation day because I do bring a pastor who's been a part of this event for the past four years, and she's the one who helps with the breaking of the curses, the, the tearing down of the of the strongholds, the breaking nice. of the chains. So I have Prophet Regina that does that on Sunday. Wow. Um, this year we, we integrated what you call Pillow Talk. And I'm fired. Let me tell you something. Pillow Talk is on Friday, baby. <laughs> Pillow Talk, we have Miss Bling. Listen, Pillow Talk, we're going to get real down and dirty stitches. We're talking about why you ain't got no man, how you keep a man. Oh, boy. You know, what do you do in the bed? How do you balance your business? Pillow you know, Talk, got how the do right title. Deal with got the right title. Everything. So we got Trina, who just got engaged. Yeah. Coming to Pillow Talk. We got, I can't wait to hear how she, how she snagged the man, okay? What you did? Who is this? Or, no, how he snagged her. How he snagged her, honey. <laughs> That's true. That's true, but we know we know the man. The man ultimately does the picking. Let's keep it one hundred. Yes, yes. You know, and she's women, a, she's a prize. We can pick and yes. choose, but ultimately, the man, the man, the man has to choose you for real. That's yeah. that, that's that's a part of a, a whole nother topic for another day. But and it might be talked about at Pillow Talk. You know, it's gonna be talked about at Pillow I'm Talk. I believe it with Miss Bling. I'm trying Coach to say that's why you you supposed to be there. <sighs> Listen, we don't already talk. You supposed to be there now. We don't. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going even if I can only come on Sunday, I'm going to figure this out, okay? We're going to work this out. In Jesus name, we going to work this out, okay? Stormy, we going to work this out. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, I'm All right. I'm truly happy uh, for everything that's happening. And can I be honest? I feel like this is really just yes. the beginning for you, sis. I don't even think this is it. I think this is really just so the good, beginning. So good, great news. Here, here, here's the here's great and greater news. Come the great on. news is, you know, we sold out uh, 550 tickets Ooh. in the room. Women are coming from as far as UK. Uh, yes, ma'am, to be here. But we have a virtual, a virtual yes. opportunity as well for people to tap in virtually. They could go to ghmhevent.com. They could tap in virtually. Mm -hmm. But we're also filming for my show. I got my own show coming out next year yes, on a major, major, major network. What network? You know, you got to tell us. Really, you know. You know, I, I can't. I can't tell you, but they. I, I, you know. Okay. It, the the initiative is, 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 is LMH, li Lifetime Movie Network. Ah! Or LMH, is it LMH? So it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be a big it's gonna be it's gonna be the what the woman needs, okay? That is awesome. Stormy, how do you feel? Like really? How do you feel? You got me talking like this. I don't even know what I'm talking like this. How do you feel? I feel like anybody can create the life that they desire. You could design your life to be how you want it to be, because I did it. I created everything. I wanted my own show teaching people how to do what I've done. I wanted to do this event. I wanted a million-dollar event. I wanted a million-dollar payroll. My payroll is a million dollars plus a year. My my payroll is over $1.5 million a year. I wanted to pay a million dollars in taxes. I wanted to buy my house and pay it off, and now I have two. You know, I, I wanted to empower the, the, the black and Latino community. So I'm going to be honest with you. It just validates that you can design your life and live it. You just got to work hard. You can't be afraid. You got to set boundaries and rules for yourself, you know, new rules. No more living about what what other people want me to do. And so being able to serve humanity 
and give the world what people think is impossible. Like I am a true example of making the impossible possible. I mean, I'm a ninth grade, you know, someone with a ninth grade education, high school dropout. I was nobody gave me nothing, stitches, everything. Not only did I fight for it, I earned it. I created this life that I have now. And so I just know that everyone um, is capable of creating the life that they desire if they really, really want it. But you got to, you know, you can't stop growing. We can't stop growing and we can't be afraid to step into uncharted and unfamiliar territory for right. ourselves. And right. so I'm grateful and I'm looking forward to being, you know, really being on a major, major platform to teach. I just, nobody was an example for me. You know, I love Oprah, you know, but she wasn't a stripper. She, she, she doesn't know what, what it felt like when I was, you know, 10 years old being beaten with water holes, nine years old, you know, struggling. Like I'm grateful and I'm excited about being able to be the example. Right. And so I designed my life and it's here. Everything I wanted, everything I desired is now here. And I, I got to ask you two, two more questions before we, before we go. Um, like we said, the awakening happening this week, and you definitely don't want to miss out on that. Uh, you did mention about your mom, and before her passing, she was able to see um, you do well. Is, this is true, eh? I'm very proud. Um, you know, Stitches, my mom, the day my mom died, literally she was trying to, you know, recruit the nurses for me. I was uh... able to put my mom on a, on a, a $2,000 allowance. I was able to take her to Hawaii. I was able to buy my mom a smile. You know, my mom went to prison with 32 teeth and came home with 17. My mom was suicidal and my mom was depressed. My mom used to say to herself and tell me that she was ugly. So I was able to work enough to buy her a smile. You know, I was able to give her, I believe, the luxuries of life. And I feel as if my mom left this earth uh, knowing that I was going to make something of myself. Yeah. And I believe that she is a part of, you know, uh, my covering. I a truly believe that. Amen. And for somebody, I, I got to touch on this, for somebody who might be listening and may have had, like you said, you mentioned Oprah and other um, people, even Tony Robbins, everybody has a, a path and, a, and a, a certain journey that certain people or other people can relate to. And there will be those who will who are there are those who are relating to your story, but I feel like somebody might be listening and hearing um, what your mom went through and how it did affect you. How were you guys able to um, really reconnect and how, how, how did that start? How did that, whether it was a conversation or was it something that when she came out, it was just like, Hey, that's mom. And we're just going to figure it out. How, how did that happen? Great question. You know, I, 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 I think that we all like how you're, you're born with the, inherit knowledge that God is real. There's mm -hmm. a higher power than yourself. Like, right. you know that whether you believe in God, whether you're a Muslim, whether you, uh, you know, whatever, right. you know that there's something higher than yourself out there. Mm -hmm. I believe that we all have a seed inside of us that makes us have a certain type of love for our parents. And if you don't, then you need to find that seed because it's in you. So I, I never was mad with my mom. Like mm. I always felt like my mom was doing the best she could okay. with the wisdom and the knowledge that she had. I was not one of those kids, like these kids nowadays that think that their mothers and fathers were born with manuals on how to mother and parent them. That wasn't me. I knew that my mom was just trying to take care of her kids. Right. So when she, every time she would come home with anything, I would feel like I owed her more than she owed me. Wow. She would come home and I would feel like, oh, my God, I got to take care of her. And I, I felt that way even when I was a teenager. 
because I knew my mom was just a woman trying, you know. So when she came home, I just would love on her like she never left. And I would love on her, you know, the way in which I wanted to be loved, you know. You so I believe in reciprocity. Yeah. You still I, I honor my mom to this very to this very day, Stitches. My event is this week because I do something every year to honor my mom's birthday. Her birthday is September 29th. But that, that, that doesn't fall on a weekend. So I'm always, I'm honoring my mom, and I will honor her until I'm dead. So I just knew that I had to give my mom a life. I believe that when you're a child, your parents take care of you, and when you're an adult, you take care of your parents. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. And I tell you what, sis, you, you got a calling over your life. You know it, and, and I'm sure you've been told it plenty of times, but you definitely um, it was no mistake that you were not not supposed to be here. You were supposed to be here to encourage and to be a light in dark places. Um, so I, I say God bless you. I say continue to fly, sis. I wish you was here so I could hug you and we could scream and shout, honey. But we can scream and shout over no, the phone. No, I, I thank you. <laughs> I, I, I thank you, Stitches. One more time, Code Story, please tell everybody where, because you still have like a few. If you... If you know that you're feeling stuck, it's yeah. something that you don't know what it is. You don't know, like, why you having this feeling. You may not even be able to place this feeling. You may not even know what it is, but it's something. You know that it's something more for you to do. You don't know mm. what it is, how it is. I tell you, the awakening will wake you up. It will wake up your creative juices. It will, it will remind you of who you are, and it will help you to create a new reality for yourself. I promise you. Uh, we still have virtual tickets available. Listen, we got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and this day's no no hype session. This is we're going into a curriculum. You're going to be able to download wow. a booklet that you can print out, and you're going to be able to create your own blueprint, your own thrival kit. This is your personalized, customized thrival kit. By the time you finish, you'll be able to look back at this manual, and it will be your own like Bible that you go back to when you need to redefine who you are. Can you imagine creating your own thrival kit from scratch with your own DNA? Come on. So, listen, we got we got Money Man performing on Sunday, all-white party, pillow talk, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a full three-day uh, weekend for anyone that's ready to elevate, men and female. Go to www.ghmhevent.com and follow me on Instagram at Stormy for up-to-date, around-the-clock updates as to what's happening live from the Awakening 2021 in Houston, Texas. Thank you so much for having me, Stitches. You're fabulous. Coach Stubby! Yeah. Hashtag she's doing it.